So anyway, we go to Minneapolis, and Guy Floyd seeking to pick me up and drove me up there, and I'm thinking as we're driving, where's the people? It was in the dead of wintertime. This is in like in March, and there's no red lights, and we're supposed to be in Dora Lake. I didn't see a stop sign. I didn't see a red light. I didn't see a, a place to hitch a horse. And I thought, I said, where, where does the people live? He says, they're all, they're all over the place. Okay? The snow was real high. And they had cleared it off. And you couldn't even see over some of the banks. I got to the church. And it was a little church out there in the boonies. And the house was next, next door to the parsonage. And they put me upstairs. And I thought, Lord, this is going to be interesting. I was wondering what in the world's going to happen. But anyway, I got a good night's sleep. And that morning, they, they, there were some people showed up. So they came out of the woodwork. There were they were there. It wasn't a great crowd, but it was a good crowd. And so I gave the gospel like I usually do and had several people trust Christ as Savior. Well, a guy came over to see Floyd and told him, says, um, I know he is your guest speaker, but I want you to know I do not agree with what he's teaching. But because he's a guest speaker, I'm going to stay away and because uh, I don't want to cause any trouble. And Floyd says, okay, but he told me. So that night, I told him, I said, we're going to have a Bible study where you can ask questions and answers. So they came that night, and I didn't know who was who. And so I opened up for questions and answers, and one person raised their hand, what about James chapter 2? So I explained James chapter 2. Do you have to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven? They were just waiting for me to say no. <clears throat> and I says, no, you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, then somebody else asked another question. And then somebody else asked a question. And finally, this one guy stood up, and he didn't ask the question. He was making a statement. He said, I want everybody here to know. I don't agree with you. We don't believe what you're teaching. Because they knew what I was teaching was eternal security. Once you're saved, you're always saved. And no, they don't believe that. And this year, one lady, she stood up, and she looked over at him. I'm standing up there because I'm just taking questions. She looked over at him, and she says, Sir, I went to your church for 10 years, and I never understood how to go to heaven until this morning. So why don't you sit down and shut up? <laughs> and that's when I understood there's some preachers here. I found out later there were five of them, five preachers. Because, you see, that guy, he said he not going to come back and cause any trouble. He went around and he told everybody, don't let your people go to hear this Yankee Arnold. He is a false prophet. Well, they hadn't heard a false prophet before. So they came to see what I was like. <laughs> he did better advertising for me than anybody. And so everything was rocking along pretty good. But finally on one night, I was at Jim Smith's house. I was laying on the floor. I had a bad back trouble. I had to have a, a thing around my, uh, kind of like a vest, but it had two, two steel rods in the back of it, and I had gone through that for a while, and I was, I was hurting. And I was laying on this floor because I could hardly stand up, and I was in such pain. And I used to think, Lord, why are you going to let me go through such pain? I'm not, I'm not, all I'm doing is telling people how to go to heaven. But anyway, uh, he got a phone call, and says, Yankee, there's some men up here. They want to talk to you. And um, he said, and I'll tell you now, they're planning on you know, doing you some harm and running you out of town on a rail. 
I said, well, let's just go see him now, I guess, and get it over with. My back was killing me anyway. So me and Jim Smith, we got in the car. We drove up to their house. And none of these guys had been to any of the meetings. But their wives would come home and tell them what I said. This guy, he says from Colorado, he says, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You don't have to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven. And all that made them mad because they know you do. But they didn't. So anyway, we got to his house. They opened the door, and I walked on in. I just assumed that he followed me in. But he stayed at the door. But I didn't know that. I walked on in into the living room. Next thing you know, I've got about four or five guys. And they, they came at me. And I mean, they were in my face. And they started hollering and yelling and screaming right in my face. They were mad. I didn't find out until later they had planned on doing me a lot of harm. One guy said, they were fixing to do away with you. I mean, they were going to do away with you. And I said, you mean? And they, yeah, that's what they mean. I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. I just thought they just want to come and me talk to them. <laughs> so finally, I told them, I says, would you give me 10 minutes? Then you can ask me any question. They agreed. So they backed off, and one went to the corner, and one went and sat over there. And so I started talking, and I gave the gospel as clear as I knew how. I even did the wallet illustration. Let me show you what, so you'll know what I did. This is you and me. This is sin, and we all have sin on us. God loves us, hates our sin. The Bible says all have sinned. We're all condemned. We're all going to hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. We cannot earn our way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh, came into the world because he loved us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said the only thing we had to do is believe he did it for us. And I quoted Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And this one guy, he looked at me and says, are you through? And I was. Time was up. I got to keep my word. I says, yes. And this one guy sitting on the couch, he says, that verse you just read, can you show me that in the Bible? I said, yes, I can. He says, do it. These are all lumberjacks. And they were not so much as big, but they were, they were I'm a preacher. One time I came to the Northside Baptist Church, my first day at church, and I went to the door and people were coming out shaking my hand. And this one lady came out and she shook my hand and said, oh, your hands are so soft. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm not a lumberjack. So I uh, had to get control of myself. He says, show me. So I took the Bible, and I went over there, and I showed him Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And he looked at it, and he read it. And he looked up. He says, you fellows, shut up. It's in the Bible. He trusted Christ to save just like that. When he saw that it was free, it was a gift. There's another guy standing over there on the wall. His name was Chan Adams. He says, I see it. I see it. And he ran out of the house. The other two, they didn't. But eventually we wound up leaving. But I didn't know that when Chan ran out of the house, he went to his house. It was just right down the street. He walked in there to his wife, and he told his wife, he says, honey, I'm going to heaven. She says, the blankety blank blank you are. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to heaven. You are not going to heaven. If anybody's not going to heaven, you're not going to heaven. He says, honey, I am. He peeked 
a candy bar up off the table. He said, here, take this candy bar. She said, I don't want no candy bar. Take the candy bar. I don't want no candy bar. Take the candy bar. He took it. Said, That's the way it is. <laughs> and she understood God offers it and you receive it. He says, that's the way. It is. It's free, hon. It's free. And she trusted Christ as her Savior. Now, she trusted the Lord probably within 10 minutes of him trusting the Lord. He had not had one class in personal evangelism. He didn't know anything about systematic theology. Their son walked in. His name was Dan. He was 25 years old. He walked in the house, and both of them says, guess what? We're going to heaven. And he says, that guy from Colorado might get you, but he ain't going to get me. And he used a little profanity, too. Well, that night I went to bed. The next morning, Floyd came and said, Yankee, there's some people downstairs who want to talk to you. So I got up and got dressed, and I came downstairs. And he opened the door, and there was these three guys standing at the door. One was Chan Adams, Rodney Cobo, and Dan Adams, that kid, 25 years old. I was only 26 years old. He's 25 years old. I opened the door, and he's standing there like this with his arms folded. He looked just like Charleston Heston. I mean, his profile. He looked just like Charleston Heston, like he was chiseled out of granite. And he says, we was out in the woods cutting, and we got to run these chainsaws. He said, that's all they do. They'd been up since 4 o'clock in the morning. That's when they do it earlier. And so they were cutting wood and trying to tell him what I had said. But he couldn't hear because of the chainsaws. So they turned off the chainsaws. So said, look, either we're going to talk or we've got to cut wood. So they decided to come over to the house and see me. And they says, Yankee, would you talk to him? I said, Sure. He came in the house, and they was following right behind him. I said, no, y'all go in the kitchen. I had him come into the living room. And he was proud, proud, proud of what I don't know. He sat down on the couch, and I got my Bible, and I showed him Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. As I know of that, so it was the only verse I explained to him. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he sat there and took me about 10 minutes. And next thing you know, he said, I understand. He trusted Christ as Savior. Now, Dan wound up going to Florida Bible College with a wife and five kids. He could only take about a year of it. He went back to Minnesota and became the pastor for the next 35 years. And I only talked to him for that brief little moment. And those other ones... When they heard the gospel, if it's clear, a person can trust Christ as Savior. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit indwells a person. You'd be surprised what can happen because there's power in the gospel when people hear the gospel. When people understand that's all they had to do. And so it wasn't long before, yes, I had split that church. I split that church up there wide open. So the next thing, the guy asked me from down there in Reamer, Minnesota, 75 miles away. I'd finished that week of meeting, and so I got a call. They wanted me to come down to Reamer, Minnesota, another Christian Missionary Alliance church, and wanted to know if I would speak there for the week. I said, sure, I'm already up here. Might as well do it. So I went down to Reamer, Minnesota. I'm just all by myself. And I'm 
26, 27 years old. And next thing that happened was I got there, and the preacher says, um, we're moving. We're just going to be getting some things done this week, and I need somebody to fill in for the meetings. He said, no, I haven't told anybody we're having meetings yet. I was there on Saturday. I speak Sunday. I said, you trying to tell me you haven't even announced this? He says, no. He says, I'm quitting the ministry. I said, why? He said, we've never had anybody saved since I've been here, and we're not going to have anybody saved after I leave. This place is dead, and you're wasting your time, but I needed somebody feeling because i got to pack the, you know, the, the truck and get all things done. And he wanted me to fill it. I says, you're serious? He says, yes, I'm serious. I says, will you walk down the street with me and help me to find a few things? He said, sure. We walked into this one store, and I says, I want some of this and this and this, and I bought me my own posters. And I marked them. Son of a bootlegger, speaking this week. <laughs> and I made a bunch of them up. And we walked down the street and put them in different stores. And then I walked into this, uh, <laughs> this beer joint. And he says, you're going in there? I says, who do you think needs it? So I walked in there, and the guy's behind the counter. <laughs> a few people in there drinking. And so I walked in, and I says, can I put this sign in here? Son of a bootlegger. Yeah, he laughed. Put it up there. He says, they need it. Oh, he does too. But they only had about three beer joints in the town, but I covered them all. And, um, and waited to see what happens. That Sunday morning, there was a few people that came that hadn't been there before. I gave the gospel, and some people trusted Christ as Savior. Now, he hadn't had anybody trust the Lord while he was there. And he says, nobody's going to trust the Lord with you either. Some people trust the Lord that very first day. That night, well, they went back and told us a few more, and they, a few more came. Every night, it grew. On the last night, on a Friday night, the people up there in northern Minnesota that came from that church, they came down, and they brought some people. So here I am on the last night. We're sitting up on the stage, and all of a sudden, the church is packed. And in come about two or three men dressed fit to kill. And they walked in, he being noble, he says, you see those three guys? I said, yeah. He says, those are the leaders of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church out of Minnesota, Minneapolis. He says, they come to see you. He says, they believe you are a false prophet, and they come up here to see you. So while they had to go into the nursery and watch through the window, because there was no place else for them to sit. So that night, while I'm sitting up there, I thought, I'm going to change my sermon. I preached on how to recognize a false prophet. <laughs> and when I got through, there was a bunch of more people that trusted Christ as Savior. And those three men got up, and they walked out, and they never said a word to me. They contacted their headquarters in Minneapolis, and they told them about me, and they blackballed me in all the Christian Missionary Alliance churches. I've only been out of Bible college one year. And now I'm blackballed in all these churches. So in the church that I was in, which is the Northwest Evangelical Free Church, Evangelical Free Church was also a denomination. So they contacted that denomination, and the head man was Arnold Olson. And they told him what I had done in Minnesota and split their churches. I preached their doctrinal statement. 
So now I was called upon down there to have a big meeting, and they called in about five or six directors from different places, different states, and they all came together, and they met there at the church, and they were going to give me a hearing, see where I stood. And this one little young whippersnapper, he was uh, one of the directors, and he walked up to me and kind of, Kind of reminds me of that guy that, uh, you know, well, a gag. You know what Samuel did to him? But anyway, he kind of sashayed up to me and he says, you know, you're on trial today. I says, no, I'm not. You are. I said, we're going to find out where you stand. I know where I stand. And so it got interesting. And so we went through all of that, and they finally agreed. I hadn't preached anything different than what our denomination stands for. And neither did I preach anything different than what their denomination is. But I was blackballed in both denominations in one year after graduating from Florida Bible College. Life does get interesting. All because I told them that salvation is free. If that isn't true then what is the purpose of Jesus Christ going to the cross and paying for all the sins of the world? They got another church going up there now in Cohasset. We had camps up there, and some of those kids wound up coming to Florida Bible College, or the college we had in Colorado. But there's a lot of things that happens over the years. A lot of the people are now dead. What was strange to me is when I was making up my schedule and where I was going to go and travel, I had a couple of weeks that I had open. And a couple of them I wound up taking down here at this church, 2009. But I had a couple of weeks that were still open. And one of them was in one particular date, and the other one another particular date. And I kept wondering, Lord, how come I can't seem to get those filled? You know. All these other weeks I got filled, but these two weeks. And a person that I know, name was Sonny Blue Eye, big Indian. He died up there in Schenectady, New New York, in Buffalo area, and on the uh, Tonawana Indian Reservation. And so they asked me if I would come up there and do the funeral. That was the date that I still had open. So I went up there and I did that funeral. A couple of weeks passed, and next thing you know, I got, kept wondering, well, how come I don't have somebody on this open day? So I forgot where I was, but I had to go north because Dan Adams, the one that I had led to the Lord, his son died. Strange. And they had taken him to Duluth, Minnesota, and he died before he got there. I found out about it and says, I've got this week open. I'm going up there. So when I got there, I'm at the hospital, and Dan comes in, and Dan, his boy's dad, his name was Barney, he was dead, and they brought in Dan. When Dan came in, I saw him when they put him on the stretcher. Whatever his son had, he got. And I told him, and I saw him, and he was coming up out of his bed. His, His mind was gone. Like eating up with something, like he couldn't even think. It was like in a coma, but he was, his eyes are open and he's talking, but he knows nothing. And I told him, Dan, and I don't know if he ever recognized me or not, but in a, about another 
I don't know, a few hours, he was dead. And I'm there at the hospital. And this was on the very week that I couldn't get a, an open, you know, a date to, to fill. See, I believe God knows my schedule. He knew that I had an open date here and I had an open date here because he was saving me for the opportunity of what I needed to be for somebody else. Though I didn't know it at the time. And here's these guys that I know and I loved. And I realized if I had not gone to Minnesota, those guys would have never heard the gospel. The whole church would not have heard the gospel. Well, those people in Reamer, Minnesota. And all because the guy asked me to go and speak at a hunter's banquet. And I thought, what if I hadn't went to that hunter's banquet? That one night, spoke for one half an hour. It was too far. It was in the winter time. I didn't want to go, but I felt obligated because, well, I get to give the gospel. I get to give the gospel. I didn't go elk hunting. Everybody else did, but Yankee didn't get to go. But I got to give the gospel. I got more than what they ever got. There is the providence of God and how God works behind the scenes. And so, yes, I get excited just because here's a guy like Greg Steer who can go to a meeting that he doesn't have to organize, do anything with. They get together, but because of his reputation, they ask him, would you give the gospel? And they only give him 15 minutes. Is that 15 minutes of him to come from Colorado all the way down and speak in a meeting for 15 minutes, is that worth it? Yeah, I've done that. And I've lived long enough to see that it's well worth it. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ if people would only realize that. I'm so thankful that I wound up going to Florida Bible College. I would have never seen those as opportunities. I'd have never been able to take advantage of them. But praise the Lord, I did. And there's people that probably could go to Bible College today, might change their whole life. But sometimes maybe we just take it for granted. Well, everybody already knows. No, they don't. No, they don't. So many people don't know. Look up here one more time. You need to learn how to do this. Learn how to do it. Now, I'll slow it down just for a tad. Kind of reminds me of that blind guy that walked into that restaurant where nothing but five blondes was in there. He said, I got a good joke. I want to tell you a joke about blondes. This lady says, I don't think you want to do that. Why not? He says, because there's five blondes in here. So what? Well, one of them has a ball bat in her hand right now. There's another one over there. She's a champion woman wrestler. And there's another one over there, and she's got a gun. He says, now, do you really want to tell this blonde joke? He said, well, not if I got to tell it five times. <laughs> so I'm going to tell this one more time. So look up here and pay close attention. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God, and he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. See, a lot of people, they don't know that. They think God hates them because they did something wrong. No, God loves the person. What we do, see, we love our children, but we don't like what they do wrong. You even love your wife. But you don't like what she does wrong. And she can love her husband. Because he never does anything wrong. <laughs> okay, maybe I went too far. I'm just a tent. But see, God says that he loves us, and to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord in hell. But God wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God, and we're not perfect. And God says you cannot earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into this world because he loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from the Lord. 
So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took all of our sins and paid for it on the cross and came back from the dead. And said the only thing we have to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for us. So when I believe he did it for me, he puts that payment to my account. I got a payment for my sins, so I don't have any sins to pay for, see? And if you believe it, he puts this payment to your account. Then it means you get to go to heaven. Why? Because you don't have any sins to pay for. He paid. You're accepting this payment for your sins. So he did it and made it free. So whenever you believe that, he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. See, I know I have eternal life. Why? Because Christ paid for all my sins. If I have eternal life and he paid for all my sins, where am I going when I die? To heaven. That's the best news in the world. This is the message that kid right there heard three years ago, watching it online. He says, I even learned that little wallet thing you did. So that little wallet trick. That's why I say, watch his hand very closely. At no time will it ever leave my wrist. (laughs) And the gospel is that Christ took our sins. And when we believe it, he gives me his righteousness, his perfection. Now, if he gave me his perfection, you've got to be perfect to go to heaven. Well, if he gave me his perfection, is that good enough to go to heaven on? I'm going to heaven on his, not mine. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. But a lot of people have never heard, never understood the gospel. By the way, that little Door Lake storybook that I wrote, it's in the bookstore. It's $100 now. <laughs> Tomorrow it'll be $5. No, just joking with you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, maybe you've already trusted Christ as Savior. If you have, God has given you eternal life, and you'll go to heaven when you die. But maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you've never really understood. You may be like a lot of those people I described up there in Door Lake, Minnesota. But why not right now, if you have any questions and doubts, why not settle it? Lord, I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. Friend, if you trust him to take you to heaven, then you're going to heaven. It depends on him, not you. When you accept him as your Savior, he gives you eternal life, not temporary life. If it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And he'll never cast you out, never lose you. So is anyone at all this morning say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip in and very quickly put it right back down? Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. Let us know. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. We're thankful, Lord, that you're working strange and mysterious ways, but wonderful ways. And we love you and appreciate all that you do for us. Continue, Lord, to bless this church, bless these people. And we just pray your will to be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.